And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Once again, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. And we've got a very special edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review this week. It is the most wonderful time of the year in the world of pro wrestling because the PWI 500, the annual list of Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top 500 ranked wrestlers in the world, has come out. It is on newsstands now. You can also order it online, PWI hyphen online.com and you can get the digital version or the print version sent directly to your house and we've got like I said a very special episode because we've got a couple uh, very special guests as it pertains to the PWI 500 we've got Kevin McIlvaney who is the editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated we're going to talk about his journey to uh, PWI and also kind of the behind the scenes workings of developing the PWI 500 which I uh, think you guys are going to find very interesting and then in segment two we've got uh, continuing the tradition here on the Rhino Wrestling Review of having Mr. 500 on the show we've done it before in the past we're going to do it again and we're doing it with a uh, St. Louis flair as most of you know I'm a lifelong St. Louis boy as my dog is trying to eat trash out of the trash can. Uh, we've got Danny Adams, a.k.a. Dan the Dad, who cracked the top 500 this year. A uh, guy that I've been following on the uh, local scene. Uh, uh, my wife is a fan of uh, the No New Friends faction. I think she just likes the shirt. I think she just likes the fact that she doesn't have any room for any new friends in her life. But that was... Uh, when I be first became familiar with Danny Adams the as part of the No New Friends faction in Glory Pro Wrestling here in St. Louis and he has developed a new persona uh, over the last year that has, has brought him a lot of success uh, on the uh, independent circuit and we're going to talk about that, talk about his journey and talk about what is next for Dan the Dad, Mr. 500 this year in the PWI 500 in segment two. So let's start off with Kevin McIlvaney, editor-in-chief of ProWrestling.com. I hope you guys enjoy my opportunity to uh, sit down with Kevin. So happy to be joined by the editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, who are celebrating the historic 30th edition of the annual PWI 500. It's Kevin McIlvaney. Did I say it right? You did. That's right. Yes. Did. Nailed it. Uh, here on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com. Kevin, how are you, sir? Uh, doing pretty well. Keeping keeping busy here at the office. We're uh, back up from six issues a year to nine, so that's been it's been a little bit of a challenge, but 
exciting at the same time. Yeah, it's very exciting when I heard the news come out the other day that you guys were going to be going back to, to nine issues a year. I just think that, you know, I, I was telling you before we started recording, wrestling magazines were such a big part of my childhood. They were such a big part of me wanting to go to the grocery store with mom because I knew that there would, there would be, you know, at any given time, no less than four or five wrestling magazines on the newsstands, whether it be, you know, PWI or wrestling superstars or inside wrestling or the wrestler or, and WWE and WCW had their own magazines at the time. There was just so much out there and PWI is one of the, you know, the few left standing now and the fact that it's been it's been able to you know ride the wave of you know print switching over to digital and to still you know be churning here with the 30th edition of the PWI it's got to be a a pretty cool feeling to be a part of that yeah absolutely I mean I too grew up uh going to half of the supermarket it might have been like Kmart or something but um running to wherever the newsstand quote unquote was and, and buying the new issues of the magazines. Um, most of those ish- magazines you mentioned were part of the extended West Stanley Weston PWI family of magazines. Um, but PWI is the one left standing. And, fa- and in fact, PWI is the, not only the longest running wrestling magazine continually uh, being printed and released in the world. I mean, it's the only national wrestling magazine in the United States period at this point. So um, it's a thrill. You know, as someone who has not missed a single PWI issue, I'm, I'm 40 years old now. This is the 30th year of PWI 500. You know, and I was even buying them, you know, the couple years before that, probably when I was about seven or eight, I was picking up wrestling magazines. It's really cool to have you on the show because this is your first PWI 500 as editor-in-chief of PWI. So talk a little bit about your journey to pro wrestling illustrated. Were you a lifelong wrestling fan? Was it a goal of yours to someday cover the sport or did you take a different route to the magazine? Yeah. So, I mean, I I was, as I mentioned, a reader growing up, a big wrestling fan growing up around 1990, I guess is when I started watching. Um, And I don't know if I even considered it an option to uh, to grow up to write for the magazines. It just didn't seem like the kind of thing that I would get to do. Um, but I certainly read them and learned about new wrestlers from them. Uh, you know, things that we couldn't see on TV where where I am in, in the uh, Philadelphia area. Um, and then what happened years later was there was a posting on Craigslist actually for an editorial, I think a copy editor position at the time. And I applied for it. And like my process of elimination, I'm like, this pretty sure this is PWI because it, it said, you know, uh, it's in Bluebell, Pennsylvania and it's, um, knowledge of pro wrestling preferred. I'm like, well, what else could that possibly <laughs> be? Right? right. So I applied for it. Um, the position got filled. Stu Sachs himself wrote me back, which like, right. Wow. Right. Um, and said, you know, the position's been filled, but I like your writing samples if you want to do work with us. And, you know, fast forward, I mean, I've been contributing on and off uh, as a freelancer for about 14 years now. So um, Stu got in touch with me almost a year ago and let me know that he was intending to retire, um, asked if I had any interest, and, and, you know, it was by no means a guaranteed thing at that point. 
Um, I had to come in and interview like anybody else who would be applying for that kind of big role. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, it was an honor to be asked. And, you know, this year there's, I've learned a lot. Um, I'm at, I guess this will be what I've started work on now with, uh, with our, our team is the third issue that I've done completely by myself. And there were two that Stu was involved in to, uh, uh, various degrees, uh, before he stepped away and retired. Um, but it's, it's been a real learning process and, I mean, I'm going to continue to learn and and grow along with this magazine. So in a sport like pro wrestling, where lists are so prevalent, whether it's somebody's Mount Rushmore or greatest tag teams of all time or greatest managers of all time, the PWI 500 is probably the most well-known and referenced list in the sport. But it seems like such an impossible task from from my perspective. You know, so let us behind the curtain a little bit and tell us about the selection process. Is it just the PWI staff locking themselves in a room like a court jury and you're getting, you know, uh, you know, food delivered and people are banging their fists on the table until someone agrees with them? How do you even begin to undertake a process like the 500? So I should say that the first few years I was freelancing for the magazine, I was not even invited to those meetings. Those meetings are a big deal. Um, it, it's not the whole staff involved. And I mean, part of that's out of necessity because too many cooks in the kitchen, it becomes impossible to uh, get anything done. I mean, it's good to have more input in there and opinions. And, and certainly everyone was encouraged to say, you know, share your thoughts and who are some independent wrestlers who we may not ha- have on our radar yet, but we might want to keep our eye on that kind of thing. Um, I guess about eight or nine years ago was the first time I was invited to one of the meetings. And that year, it was actually in the offices. Um, we had people traveling from out of state. We had uh, a couple of people coming up from New York State. We had one of our writers, Mike Bessler, come in from Ohio. He st- stayed with uh, my, myself and my at-the-time girlfriend, now wife. Um, and we came in here, and yeah, I mean, it was pretty much that. We, In fact, I don't even know if we got food delivered. I think we just worked through the day, and then eventually Dan Murphy, who longtime senior writer, uh, took us out for lunch afterwards, which was nice, but it was, yeah, it was a long day. Um, worth noting too, that's, you know, we didn't get the whole list done. I mean, we got probably that time a hundred or so. And then there were, there was a certain amount of email correspondence back and forth. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, Dan just would have autonomy over the list and would, he would, he would come back to us with us and say like anybody missing any, uh, anybody you'd have higher or lower, that whole thing. Um, that whole process became digital the following year. It just made a lot more sense to do that. And, and as much as I liked getting together with everybody in the same space, it's just infinitely more convenient for, and better for everyone's schedules and, you know, sanity, frankly, frankly, to, uh, to do this digitally. So that's how we've been doing it ever since. We're talking with Kevin McIlvaney, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated here on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com. And Kevin, the... Th- 30th year of uh, the PWI 500 is unlike any other because this is the first year that female wrestlers were featured among the 500. Uh, who came up with this idea? Was it something that was universally agreed upon or did it take some time for people to kind of get on board with the idea of females in the PWI 500? So I should start off by saying that it's it's happened before, but it's been outliers who've been included in Right. The list. The first was Miss Texas, who's WWE fans would know better as Jackie or Miss Jacqueline. 
Um, and she was on the, I, I believe it was 1993. She made the list because basically she only really competed against men that year. Um, it didn't make sense not to rank her against other Texan wrestlers because she was arguably the most popular at the time um, on the independent circuit, at least, you know, the, the smaller promotions. Um, and then you had a couple other situations like that throughout the nineties. China was ranked a couple of times, but what we've done historically is rank typically based on intergender performance, um, which we did do this year, but we, we kind of expanded it this year. And this was also after having as a rule, not done it in, I don't know, about seven or eight years. And the last time we did it was Sarah Del Rey in 2013 or, or something like that. Um, and, you know, it was, again, just these exceptions. And around that time, we had uh, been running the, at the time, the female 50 for a few years. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's expanded into the women's 100. So we just kind of decided, well, is this muddying the waters if we have women rank on both lists, as Sarah Del Rey did that year? Um, but ultimately, this year, I mean, you look at, I mean, what really spurred it on was Tessa Blanchard mm -hmm. winning the heavyweight title for Impact. It seemed really strange to have all the other top competitors from Impact ranked and then not include her. Right. Um, she she did end up coming in a little lower than we expected, in part because her reign was cut short. She didn't uh, she did didn't arrive to defend the title. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons for that. There's COVID. Um, but we kind of looked at it as her being released and stripped of the title as yeah, that, that did affect her ranking. So she, she was brought further down. Nevertheless, still in the top 100. Um, we also included, and the, the highest ranked woman on the list was Kylie Ray, mm -hmm. who won several major independent championships, arguably the most popular wrestler on the independent scene in the Midwest United States, which is a, is a huge part of the independent scene across the country. Mm -hmm. And then that, that was before she even went to uh, impact she had been doing that and then continued to do both. So I would say primarily the two of them, but then we looked, well, you know, there's a lot more than this. And like, we could try to argue for these women as exceptions, or we could just open it up and say like, okay, broadly, anybody who's competing for these heavyweight titles, these, you know, at the highest level of the world titles, um, it makes sense to rank them. And then the women's 100 will continue to exist because let's face it, there are still fewer opportunities for women wrestlers. There's, even in somewhere like WWE where you have women promoted at a very high level at this point, you don't have the secondary championships to compete for, you know, a list such as ours where people are graded so highly based on what they've done in the ring and things like championships and winning tournaments and main eventing pay-per-views. There's a lot less room for women to succeed, especially outside of WWE. Um, so for the, for, for now we've decided it was, it made sense to have, this merged or semi-merged 500 and then the women's 100 again uh, continues. And that actually just came out digitally last Thursday and it'll mm -hmm. be on newsstands November 10th. So that's exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, women's 100, uh, like I said, already out digitally. I already downloaded it. And uh, well, I'll, I always like to have the print copies as well. And then I heard the announcement about the uh, PWA, PWI Tag Team 50 which is going to be uh, in the next issue after that, too. So it's a really exciting time uh, to be picking up these uh, issues of uh, PWI. Yeah, the Tag Team 50 was the brainchild of Al Castle, so another one of PWI's senior writers. 
he pushed pretty hard for this. And at first I kind of pushed back against him. It was just a, a situation where I thought, well, we have these two lists already. Is it, is it too much? But the reason I ultimately decided it would be a good idea. And Al talked me into it very much was, uh, and, you, and for that matter, so did the other writers. Like after any, any objections we made were, were answered because he said, one thing is that, Tag team wrestlers just never fare as well in the 500. The Young Bucks are, are a big exception just because they are big stars in any promotion they're in. They're presented as, you know, whether it be in the Bullet Club or uh, their role in AEW. But again, the exception to the rule. Whereas you have other people who, you know, it would be very hard for, um, just to use um, another example from, from the Bullet Club, I mean, the Gorillas of Destiny, it would be very hard for them to fare well as singles wrestlers and as single stars in the 500 ranking, whereas they've done very well as a tag team. So this is a chance to sort of give that additional recognition, but also to kind of do some different things. This is a completely just gender inclusive ranking. We're ranking men's and women's teams. Um, it's still, it's still based on in-ring accomplishments and achievements, but there's a little bit of room for some other things in there. And, and in the issue, we're going to spot what the actual criteria are, but things like being able to work together as a team enter into it and having this cohesive, like quote unquote tag team package, which I mean, that's something that's sometimes overlooked. Um, so I think this is sort of a different take on the, on the list that we do and a fitting way to kind of uh, wrap up the trilogy of lists. Uh, speak, and, and, speaking of the 500, We've just passed the one-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite, and I know it was mentioned a lot in the issue about the significance of that. Just the fact that we have another prominent U.S. wrestling promotion producing live TV for an entire calendar year. Yeah. And there's been a lot of varying opinions online on looking back on the first year of AEW, their impact on the business, but... Looking at the PWI list, it has to be pretty significant because this year's number one, John Moxley, AEW star. Three of the top seven are AEW talent. You, it, it's hard to cut short their contribution to the business as pretty significant, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and I mean, on the cover of the issue, it says, we didn't mince words, AEW has arrived. Um, last year, AEW had, had run events, but... Uh, by and large, by the time the issue came out, I mean, they were picking up momentum, but most of it didn't count toward the ranking. Whereas this year, yeah, you can look and say just on a concrete level what they did in terms of uh, getting ratings, pay-per-view buy rates, and just influence on the business. People are talking about it. And then, of course, you know, you have you have bona fide stars there. And I mean, arguably the two biggest or three biggest, if we're, we're going by the, the top ten there are all former WWE talent, but they're doing things in AEW that they never did in WWE. Even someone like Chris Jericho, who, I mean, has been, has already hit legendary status. I mean, he is the top guy in a company in a way he's never been before. His character is evolving. And I think just looking at the top 100 even, I mean, I, I forget the exact number, but it's almost half of the amount of WWE wrestlers who were ranked in the top 100 last year? Yeah, actually, um, uh, I actually made a note of that. In mm -hmm. in 2018, 54% of the top 100 
was WWE. Last year, 51%. This year, 35% of the top 100 is WWE. That's that's got to speak a lot to AEW and and also New Japan and also you know the sure. you know how many prominent independent promotions we have. But that's got to say a lot about the the state of the business right now, especially as it pertains to AEW. Yeah, I think so. Harry Burkett, uh, another PWI senior writer, put it very well in his uh, take on the 500 in the issue. WWE is still the number one game in town globally. There's really no arguing that, uh, despite the strides made by New Japan and AEW and other promotions. But the collective influence of all those other promotions is so much more than it ever has been. And it's, but WWE's piece of the pie, as huge as it is, is less representative of the whole, at least in terms of, uh, influence. And I mean, they're still making the most money. Nobody's gonna, going to argue that, uh, at least for now, but there's just so much out there to appreciate. Um, you have the playing field leveled a little bit. I mean, if you look at the independent circuit, I mean, you, you have things like IWTV, um, you ha- which is the independent wrestling channel. You have uh, Fight TV, High Spots Network, all these other things that sort of democratize it a little bit and make it so that these promotions that couldn't get in front of people before you know, they would have to go out and either attend a show or buy a DVD. Now they can get right into your living room. And then you have, when that happens, you have fans of one promotion saying like, hey, book this person, have them come in. We want to see them here. Can you get this person on a show? To the point where fans are actually, sp- in the in the COVID era, are sponsoring wrestlers. So, um, again, not at the level WWE or AEW is at. We're not pretending that. But some of the most innovative and interesting stuff, at least in my opinion, is happening on that independent circuit. And I, I think, you know, that the rest of the, the staff largely feels that way as well. And that's reflected in the top 100 and the 500 as a whole. So I wanted to talk about, that was actually the next thing on my list here. I wanted to talk about independent wrestling okay. because in my opinion, pre pandemic independent wrestling was stronger than it had been since the territory days. What was, Independent wrestling as it relates to the 500, is that a nightmare trying to cover all of the independent promotions and all the wrestlers around the world just to make sure that you didn't miss somebody who, you know, whatever, whatever the word deserve mean, you know, whatever your interpretation of that is, somebody that deserved to be on the list that you may have overlooked just because there's so much independent content out there. Yeah. I mean, so last year we got hammered on that. Mm -hmm. Um, for, and, and we got hammered on a few things. I mean, it wasn't just that. It was also just general lack of representation. I mean, like, the, the list was not very diverse in terms of wrestlers' backgrounds and uh, and so many other things. Um, I took that to heart, even having no idea when the, the we were putting this issue together and what it was being responded to. Uh, I guess that would have been last August that I was going to be asked to take over. I just thought, well, next year I want to come prepared and be able to advocate for the people who really deserve to be on the list. So, I mean, I basically, I mean, to the point where, and I, I've been open with some of these people now because we're, we're friendly on Twitter. I say, hey, just so you know, I followed you last year after you just ravaged us <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter because you were right, mm-hmm. and and you had some good points to make, so thank you. And you you put some wrestlers on my radar and who weren't on PWI's radar at all. Um Probably the most prominent example of that is Righteous Reg, who mm-hmm. put a list together, so you're familiar, he put, he put together the Black Rexel and 
five, uh, well, 250, and then right. it's 500 this year. Um, so that was a deliberate effort to highlight black wrestlers specifically. And just, I mean, in general, he's just a massive wrestling fan. He wanted to get the word out of all, a lot of different independent wrestlers. Um, and I mean, I reached out to him and I said, Hey, I looked at your list. And I mean, it, it served as it was informative for us this year. I mean, it was, it was a really big deal. And like, if you want to do something with us, are you interested? And he said, yeah. So, I mean, he wrote, he wrote a take for the issue. Yeah. I loved I loved his take in the back of the issue. It was really cool. He's, he's really, uh, just got, he's been, for lack of a better word, obsessed with wrestling his entire life and just knows so much. Um, has very, very hard and fast opinions with stuff, but it's, it's informed because he's watched, watches so much wrestling. And I, and I watch so much independent wrestling in particular, uh, over the past year trying to keep up with all this. But I mean, he's got me beat. He just, it's nonstop. Um, and then he, he's come on as a contributing writer since then. I mean, he wrote, he wrote a piece for the new issue that's out and he's going to continue to write. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it, it is difficult to try and encapsulate the entire independent scene. And I mean, even looking at it now, I'm like, man, we don't have enough people from the West coast, uh, man, uh, Australia and New Zealand are hardly represented at all. You know, um, we could have done a better job with, uh, the Mexican wrestlers who don't have championships because we base so much on championships and tournaments. But the reality is in Mexico, that's, that's not always who the stars are, you know? So, so we're learning and it's, a, it's a process, but, uh, it's a process. That's all, <laughs> That's all you can say. Uh, spending a few more minutes with Kevin McIlvaney, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, here on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com. So my last question for you, Kevin, and thanks so much for the time you've given us. Was there any wrestler in particular on this year's PWI 500 that you recall there being a strong divide in in the crew over maybe a wrestler that one of your staff was super passionate about and the rest of the group just didn't agree with or vice versa somebody that that the whole group was on board with but there was just somebody on the staff that just couldn't see why this person would be ranked so high was there anybody that comes to mind that that kind of caused that uh divide in the in the uh, crew yeah, so actually a good one in this case, and I, I personally thought he should be a little bit higher, but I, I was talked out of it, is uh, Tetsuya Naito, mm-hmm. um, who had this incredible, completely unprecedented feat of winning, had to be coined for him, the double championship, the IWGP heavyweight title and intercontinental title. Nobody's ever done that. He won back-to-back nights at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and of course, you know, the... the Evaluation period ended. He he dropped the title and then won it back, but that that doesn't enter into it. Um, I think it was really, I mean, COVID has been unfair to everyone, but as far as his momentum, if he had not dropped the title and he had he had held it through that period, I think you could have seen him in the top three. He, like just to have had an achievement like that, and I I I kind of wanted. I mean, and he still ended up. I I believe we had him at number five, but. I just thought, man, how do you have somebody who's done this thing that nobody's ever done um, and not have him in the top three, you know, but, but ultimately um, I was talked out of it because it's, you can't grade on what may have happened. You have to grade on what actually happened as unfortunate as this year was. And as much as we were, you know, we made some exceptions with things. We have a rule generally that you either have had, have to compete in uh, seven different months of the great, the evaluation period or 
in 20 matches. And then you have someone like Ken Shamrock, who was a really big deal for Impact, but just missed that. But it's clear if COVID had not happened, he was going to be he was going to be on par to hit that. Um, so we can do things like that. But to that top 10 is always so difficult to nail down. And I, I mean, another example on it is someone like Cody Rhodes. Was he going to make the top 10, even though if he did win the TNT title during the period, it was right at the end. And I don't believe he did. I think the tournament finals were after. Um, but you have to look at someone like him and the influence he has over the business and the fact that he is that, I mean, officially we're calling him the number three star, but you could argue that he's in the top two just as easily. Um, and rambling a bit here, but it's more, it's not that none of these, that any of these people would not be on the list. It's more, where do they go? Mm -hmm. And how do you justify putting this person over this person? And how do you, um, for example, Moxley was a pretty, we didn't argue long about that. He was number one. It was, um, he meant more overall to the wrestling business by virtue of what he did for AEW and new Japan. But then, you know, someone like Adam Cole, who had a, a phenomenal year, but being that Adam Cole was on what at least earlier on in the year was presented as the least important brand, the least yep. important title. How do you, how do you make him number one? So that these were the kinds of conversations that we we've had and, you know, we've never had these exact conversations because these are some very particular topics that uh, could have never possibly come up before. But these are the kind of things that we argue over for a long time every year. And then it gets a little easier as you go further down the list. Um, it's a little easier to justify putting at someone, someone at, you know, say spot number 70 as opposed to 72 mm -hmm. than it is to put someone at number five instead of number six. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, he's Kevin McIlvaney, Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. The 30th annual PWI 500 issue is on newsstands now, but if you don't even want to leave your house, do what I did. Go to pwi-online.com, order your copy, have it sent straight to you. You can also order the digital edition on that same site, pwi-online.com. And next month's issue is already, like you said uh, before, the PWI Women's 100 already available in digital form on that uh, same site. And we talked about the PWI Tag Team 50 coming uh, hot on the heels of that. So they might as well just subscribe, right, Kevin? They might as well just subscribe to, to the issue. You got nine yeah, issues coming out a year. They might as well. Christmas is coming up. They might as well just subscribe to it. And you get 50% off the newsstand uh, price, which is really the biggest sell for it. If you're, if you're going to buy even a few of these, you're already – Making out a lot better. No doubt. So any other social media or any other uh, sites you want to plug before we go? Um, you could follow us on Twitter at official PWI. We're the same on Instagram at official PWI. Search for us on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, <laughs> Wackelvany, which is W-A-C-K-E-L-V-A-N-E-Y. You're not going to remember that, so you can follow me just by clicking on the PWI uh, account and clicking into the bio. Our senior writers' info is in there as well, and you can you can follow them too. Awesome. Kevin McIlvaney, Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrate. thanks so much for your time. I would love to do it again sometime. We really appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Kevin McIlvaney for joining us to talk everything PWI and PWI 500. Like I said, you can pick up that PWI 500 issue on your local newsstands or you can go to 
pwi-online.com. You can subscribe there. You can purchase the print copy of the issue. You can purchase the digital copy of the issue. You can also purchase the digital copy of the next issue, which is currently out in digital form and will be out in print form shortly, the PWI Women's 100. And then you can also follow PWI on Twitter at official PWI. We're going to take a little break here. Be back in segment two with Mr. 500 himself, Dan the Dad. Stay tuned. Check me. Gas station glasses, don't care what the masses think about me with my sweet goatee. I'm rocking my dockers with a cuff and a crease. I got that St. John's Bay and the clip for my piece. I look nice. I got dozens of dollars and that's right. It goes straight to my daughters and my wife. I'm a miracle dad, making magic with the checkbook is the talent I have. I roll hard in the yard with a 60-inch cut. Zero turn radius, my neighbors say, what? They be driving by, peeping my landscape. Yo, these greens got nothing on my manscape. Final segment here on the Rhino Wrestling Review, segment two. Brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. And we're joined by Kevin McElvaney. Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated in the first segment. And in segment two here, we're going to talk to Mr. 500 himself, one of the best new personas on the independent circuit over the last 365 days, that being Danny Adams, a.k.a. Dan the Dad. It's the most wonderful time of the year in pro wrestling, as Pro Wrestling Illustrated has released their annual PWI 500 honoring the top wrestlers on the planet. And I'm happy to be joined on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com by Mr. 500 himself, Danny Adams, a.k.a. Dan the Dad. Danny, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. I am a lifelong St. Louis boy, so I've been to uh, tons of Glory Pro wrestling shows in the area, which is where I first became familiar with your work as part of the No New Friends faction. Uh, so, how did Dan the Dad break into the world of pro wrestling? Was it always a dream growing up? Were you a lifelong fan, or did you take a different route and end up in this crazy world of pro wrestling? No, it's been a, a lifelong thing for me. You know, I don't know if I can really 
pinpoint uh, uh, one specific time that I discovered wrestling or anything. It's just one of those things that's always been a part of my my family and my house. You know, we we watched baseball, football, and hockey and wrestling, and there was just it just was always on the TV and uh, cousins that were into it and older brother and everything. So it all just kind of got you know passed down to me from from all of them. Uh, my my great grandpa was a, a regular at wrestling at the Chase, so he's he had. Would, would, would tell a bunch of stories to my dad about, you know, Baron Von Raschke and everyone else that came through there, his favorite guy. But, uh, so no, it just kind of was things that just got passed down. And then I, I, so I was exposed to it, you know, very, very, very young age and just never, I never grew out of it. So here we are. <laughs> so how did, uh, you actually take the step to say, I want to make, I want to make this a career. I want to get trained. What was the, the process like for you? You know, it was like something I had always wanted to do, but it's kind of, it's just kind of hard to make the, to make the jump, you know, when, or to find a place to go, to go do it. Luckily, you know, a school started up here in St. Louis and was able to, you know, I was in college at the time, so I didn't really have, uh, I was pretty busy, but I had enough time that I could, uh, just kind of give it a shot. And I wasn't really expecting much from it. I just kind of went and checked it out and then just kind of kept going back and really, really falling in love with it. And, uh, you know, especially once once I started hitting the road with everybody and, and, and kind of meeting people and seeing everybody from, you know, people that I would have never met, you know, from all different uh, states and countries and everything. Um, it just became a really cool thing. Just I I just really loved the, you know, the the traveling and, and getting to experience life from, from that aspect. So, um, you know, just one of those things where it just uh, started started off as kind of like a, you know, let's let's check this out, let's see what it's all about, and then it became like a, I mean, that's almost six years ago now, and I haven't haven't taken any breaks or taken any time off other other than the year 2020, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's that was kind of an unplanned break for everybody, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> And I want to and I want to ask you about that a little bit later, like kind of how the pandemic has affected just the indie uh, pro wrestling landscape as a whole. But I want to come back to uh, the Glory Pro thing because Glory Pro Wrestling uh, here, based in the St. Louis area, uh, in my opinion, one of the the better independent promotions that that I've been to over the years. How did your involvement with Glory Pro come to be? Because the first Glory Pro show that I ever attended was the one-year anniversary show that uh, Naito was brought in for. Was that one of your first events with the company, running the company? Uh, as far as running it, yes. I mean, I, I would be, I had been involved kind of since since the year before, just uh, as a wrestler and just kind of helping out with with whatever. It was, it's always been kind of a, a a team thing, you know. I don't I wouldn't say that. There was ever really like, you know, just one person doing the job. It was always kind of all of us because St. Louis was I think was sort of maybe missing like that big premier uh, company time. Um, NWL, if you remember, you know, that whole thing was kind of like it was going, but then it was fizzling out. So it was a little bit of a, you know, a, a kind of a weird time in the area. So we all kind of had to band together and, and, and create something cool. And, it, and and it's cool that it's it survived. You know, we're coming up on on. Uh, almost four years now so um it, it's been a lot of fun and it's been just great kind of you know getting everybody involved and seeing you know some of the guys that we started out with like, like kurt stallion who was a big part of glory pro for many years and now he's on you know wwe television uh, just to be able to elevate everybody guys like jake something and akeem zane doing cool things at impact and, and all that so it's always just been about you know elevating 
everybody, you know, from the area or from the Midwest, whatever, come back and bring it um, to get them to that next level. And I, I think you just kind of look at who's who's come, who's walked through the door and where they've gotten. Um, it's kind of a, a becoming a who's who of, of those that the next uh, wave of uh, talent to break out, really. Yeah, very much so. Every time I go to a Glory Pro show, I kind of get my eye on somebody else that I wonder who's going to be the next person up that, that I'm going to see on TV with a different mm-hmm. promotion. And that's just a really cool, uh, that's a, it's a really cool setup that, that glory pro has being able to bring in kind of, you know, some, some uh, established stars and kind of mix them up with some up and comers and kind of put some shine on them. And you, you mentioned St. Louis for years, kind of going back to what you said earlier about wrestling at the chase I mean, a, a wrestling hotbed, pro, you know, pro wrestling was synonymous with with St. Louis for so long, and then it kind of felt, you know, you know, even lately with like WWE, you know, when they want to do a big show, they go to Chicago, when they want to do a big show, they go to Philadelphia. You know, it used to be big shows were here in St. Louis, so that was kind of. Did you feel like that was kind of a a market that kind of needed to to have, like you mentioned earlier, kind of have something a little bit more significant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, St. Louis is one of those places where I, I, you're very rarely going to run into somebody who doesn't have experience watching wrestling or, you know, like to go back to the wrestling at the chase days. You know, they everyone's got, you know, grandparents who who attended the those events or knew, or just knew about it and, and knew everyone that, that came through there. And so there's, a, there's just kind of, a I guess, a good base, a good core uh, of people here of, of who have been lifelong fans. This is like I was saying I was, you know, I, I grew up in St. Louis as a lifelong fan, you know, from, you know, the legacy of, of wrestling at the chase and Harley race and everyone that, 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 you know, made that so popular. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely a, a part of the country that uh, that has a, a huge need for for wrestling and uh, for a premier wrestling promotion, and uh, it's it's just been pretty cool to to be able to to be a part of that and and promote it uh, the way that the way that it should be, and, and you know St. Louis should be you know the the heartland of wrestling. I like to call Glory Pro like the center of the wrestling universe because we're right we're right in the middle of, of the country. It's it's a lot. It's very uh, luckily, it's pretty easy to get talent in from all over the Midwest, whether it's from Michigan, uh, Chicago, down in Indiana. Uh, so, uh, there's been, it's just been a, a good meeting point for a lot of different areas, or a lot of different wrestlers from different areas to to come here and kind of uh, be uh, that that center point that we can all meet and put on uh, you know great events. Uh, chatting with Danny Adams, aka Dan the Dad, who cracked the PWI 500 this year. Uh, Danny, you've been finding tons of success with this new persona. So tell us about the manifestation of the Dan the Dad character. What was your inspiration for it, and did you know it was going to be a hit from the start? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. I think you know, I was just kind of doing my own thing, just kind of as your as a you know just a wrestler, wrestler guy. Uh, you know, not really doing much with with characters or, or gimmicks, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess I kind of hit a point where I just wanted to to do a little something more. Um, I don't know if I was having the kind of. I mean, I was. I was booked places. I was getting out there, but I think sometimes you just kind of want want to do something more, and you want to get to that next level. And a lot of times that requires making some changes. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot of factors that went into it. It was uh, it was kind of just like taking a look at myself and kind of how can I become more of an extension of myself. I mean, I'm not like 
you know, when I was being like the cool guy, Danny Adams, I, I just don't know if that was really me. I'm kind of a, a little bit of a dork at times, and that's fine because I'm able to channel that into, into Dan the dad and being, you know, somebody who is having a little, little more fun. Um, you know, I'd always kind of wanted to be a, you know, a wrestler and a comedian were like the two things that I wanted to be growing up. And it's like been really cool to be able to find something that kind of is a, a medium, you know, heavy medium between the two, you know, being able to be entertaining, but still do what I love in the ring and everything. But, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, people started just kind of, you know, making fun of me a little bit because maybe I'm not the coolest um, and I don't, you know, have the best fashion sense or whatever. And then maybe I'm the more responsible one on the road trip who's making good decisions for everybody. And then people start calling me like, you know, the the dad on the trip or whatever. And then I'll just kind of rolled into, uh, you know, making, you know, it a, an extension of myself and doing that in the ring because that's just going to be what comes naturally and what helps you, you know, kind of flip the switch and into the you know, uh, into that next level. So, um, it was just a funny, it's kind of a funny story because it was like, we were down in, uh, in Texas for a weekend. Um, we, you know, events down there, San, we were in San Antonio and the, uh, hotel we were staying at was right, like right by the Alamo. So I'm with, with Ethan Page and, uh, and Shane Saber, you know, a couple of Canadian guys. And so we're like, oh, let's go visit the Alamo. We don't have anything else to do today where it's like, it was like five minutes from the hotel. So we went up and went down there. Uh, you know, had a good time, but then I just, uh, I ended up picking up, uh, a hat that just said San Antonio, Texas on it, just cause I, <laughs> I saw the hat. I was like, I want to get a souvenir. Like, I'll, I'll bring this home. Uh, so I popped it on and, and I came out of the shop and then they just started giving me so much trouble for <laughs> looking, looking like a dad and my little dad hat. And then, you know, it just kind of, what, what started is kind of like kind of a, a little rib on, on me and, and how I dress or maybe my, you know, how I act. And then I was like, you know, let's, let's, let's get, give this a try. It seemed like a good idea to, you know, be more myself in the ring. So obviously it, it, it it's uh, been pretty successful, but it is very much a, a lot of me. I do enjoy Rush and Kansas and Boston and all that kind of music. It's not, it's not like a, too much of an act or anything, really. <laughs> well, that's that is a cool story, man. Like I've said, I've seen you wrestle many times over the last several years with Glory Pro as Danny Adams and part of No New Friends. But I got to see Dan the Dad for the first time in person at Warrior Wrestling a few weeks ago in Chicago, and. It was just the crowd reactions that you get are so cool. It's got to be a thrill to know that the people are digging what you're doing in the ring. Yeah, and it's just uh, I think my mindset changed a little bit when I started doing it because, you know, I think for a lot of a lot of people when they start wrestling, you're kind of doing it for yourself. You're kind of being, you know, that that how you that maybe that certain version of yourself that you envision as being, you know, the the cool person or the great athlete or the what have you. But, you know, when I started doing Dan the dad and started kind of seeing how people were really enjoying, you know, the character and the jokes and everything and talking about, you know, oh, you remind me of my dad or you remind me of this and that. And, you know, being something relatable, it, it kind of changed my mindset to like, I, I feel like more like I wrestle, uh, you know, for the people more so than for myself, which has just made a lot more fun because it seems you know, it's just fun to see the smiles on people's faces. It's fun to see the reactions. It, it's great to hear somebody say that, you know, like, you know, I got this friend. He doesn't really like wrestling, but I showed him Dan the dad and he really liked that. And I and I, I kind of appreciate that. You know, if that's my role in wrestling right now is to kind of get people 
interested in it. And then if they come and see Dan the dad and they're laughing and they're having a good time, but then, you know, somebody comes out in who, you know, like an Alex Zane or Blake Christian or those guys who are, you know, doing the really athletic stuff, you know, you know, maybe I get them in the door and then they see that stuff. And then, uh, you know, everyone's just kind of got their role when it comes to, you know, a, a roster for, for any promotion. And it's cool that we can all work together to, to not just be doing the same thing match after match or every, every match is different and, and everyone's kind of filling their spot, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite parts of that weekend warrior wrestling was actually getting to talk. Uh, we sat down and talked just for, for hours after the show with the folks that run warrior wrestling. And that was one of the specific things that they said. And your name actually came up when they were talking about, we have something for everybody, you know, and that's what wrestling should be. Wrestling should be a buffet. It should have, something for everybody you shouldn't just cater to just one niche you know part of the audience and i think that you know the dan the dad character definitely you know connects with a, with a certain uh part of the audience and then like you said they come for dan the dad they see something else or they come for something else and they see dan the dad so it works both ways uh that's when wrestling's at its best is when it it gives you a variety and i think that uh, the character that you're that you're portraying now is really uh it's obviously been very successful for you it's obviously got to be a highlight to be uh, in the PWI 500, I was a magazine guy growing up. You know, I've been buying ma- the wrestling mags since I was eight years old when there was like six or seven on the newsstand at a time. So it's got to be a, a career highlight for you to be in the PWI 500. Uh, obviously been an incredible run the past 365 days. So just looking back at the last year, what are some of the matches or events or somebody that you found that you had like unexpected good chemistry with. What are some of the things that stand out over the last year for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that kind of stands out from because I, I started, you know, doing this around you know November or so of, of last year, um, and it was kind of interesting because I didn't really know what I was doing with it. I was just kind of trying out different things and didn't know if it was if it was going to work and didn't know if you know, if I should continue doing it or if it was going to be some, you know, failure or something, just, they're just too silly for people to get. Um, but I think that I, I had a moment, uh, so we, we, we did a four way match and it was, uh, myself, uh, Effie, Danhausen and Orange Cassidy up at uh, Alpha One Wrestling up in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. And, uh, just kind of being in there with, with Orange and kind of, you know, working with him and, and working off of each other and with our material and then afterwards kind of getting his feedback. And he, and he told me just like what you, you got something here, you know, just keep going. Um, I like a lot of your ideas. I liked a lot of your character stuff and, and, and just kind of to get his, uh, you know, seal of approval on, on that is what gave me a lot of confidence to, to keep going with it and to, and, and, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know uh, without him or his, you know, his thumbs up on it, I guess, pun intended, but uh, like, I, I just don't know if I would have had the confidence to, to really keep doing it. So I, I, every time I see him, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm so thankful and so grateful. And I tell him all the time that like, you know, if we didn't have that little match and you didn't just kind of give me the feedback that you did, then I don't know if I'd be here. So that was definitely a highlight from the past year. And then just going on and, and doing, you know, matches with, uh, it's one thing to do a match with, you know, somebody who's, you know, doesn't have a character because it's fun to, you know, to, to play around with that and they can sort of come out of their shell a little bit doing something, you know, with me. But, uh, you know, I really enjoy doing stuff with, with, 
you know, other wrestlers that have great characters as well. Like um, me and Effie had this really fun match for, for freelance wrestling back in, in January, I think. Um, and, and people, I, I remember after that match, like, the the next month that at freelance people were coming in and they were saying like ah, that was my first wrestling show i ever been to and like i saw you guys being so goofy but so fun and and then there was action and everyone really enjoyed it so it's just like getting that just getting that kind of feedback kind of like i said before it's just i really like i really like being able to introduce people to wrestling and get them into it because when you see wrestling live and you you understand it and you and you can play along with it and it's but it can be a little bit of a uh, there'd be a little bit of a barrier of entry sometimes where you know, you, if you don't really know what you're looking at, wrestling can be a little bit, you know, hard to get into. And so it's just, I'm, I'm happy to be working with, you know, wrestlers like Effie and Danhausen and Alley Cat and Warhorse and Orange Cassidy and being that group that can help, you know, I guess expand the audience a little bit and, and get more eyes on, on everybody. So um, that's just what I find most fun about it is, is, you know, I love wrestling. I want other people to love wrestling, and then this has become the best way to to share that. I think. Uh, talking with Danny Adams, aka Dan the Dad, for a few more minutes here on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com. Uh, Danny, kind of relating this question to Glory Pro, I think you'd be a good person to ask about this. I thought that pre-pandemic independent wrestling had had been the most healthy that I had seen independent wrestling since the territory days you know we had so many awesome promotions uh, worldwide that were had some stability to them you were starting to see and not to say that they're not still out there but you were starting to see a decrease in some of the the the, uh, the shady promoters and things like that you're starting to see a lot more independent promotions that that had some stability pre-pandemic and unfortunately I'm concerned that a lot of these promotions that we're having success may struggle to recover, you know, if we can hopefully start to bounce back as a country. Are you optimistic about the potential for these independent promotions to thrive once again in the near future, or is it just too tough to say? No, I, th- I think everyone will thrive. Um, it's it's going to be tough. I think especially going into the winter, um, you know, it's going to be tough, depending what part of the country you're in. When, if it's if it's going to be cold, it's going to be going to be pretty locked down for a while, I'm sure. Um, so that's going to be difficult. But uh, wrestling just so it's never been more our independent wrestling has never been more accessible than it is now. So I I really you know applaud you know you know IWTV and High Spots Network and a lot of these subscription services that you know. They could just put random, you know, shows on there and, and not, you know, which is going to interest some people, but, uh, they do a really good job of, of keeping people interested with, whether, with additional content that isn't just, uh, you know, isn't just wrestling shows, you know, like IWTV is doing their, the masked wrestler kind of a takeoff of the masked singer where they just, there's it, a lot, a lot of really creative ideas and we're kind of in this era of creativity. In wrestling now that I think is always going to draw people in. I don't, I don't think there will ever not be an audience for, you know, just something that's entertaining or something that's funny or something, uh, that isn't just, uh, you know, just only wrestling. Wrestling can just be so many different things and, and everyone's doing all these really creative things, um, you know, kind of with the medium. So no, I, I don't think anyone, it'll be a struggle again for the next couple months as we, you know, kind of, you know, ride this out. But I think once things open back up, I, I don't think there's going to be any loss of interest in, in independent wrestling. I think it's, it's again, like we're, we're, we're bringing in people, 
uh, and fans and, and new eyes on, on these products that we never have before as we sort of, you know, test the boundaries of, of what we can do. So, um, so to just answer your question, I think, uh, I think everyone's going to be fine. I think we all just got to stick together and, uh, you know, uh, make sure we, we come together as a community to make it through. But for all helping each other out, for all, uh, you know, playing for the same team, um, everybody is going to do well, I think. Well, Danny Adams, a.k.a. Dan the Dad, Mr. 500 in this year's PWI 500 rankings. Uh, Danny, this is your chance to plug, because Dan the Dad merchandise is awesome. <laughs> uh, always coming out with, with uh, new stuff all the time. Uh, let the people know where they can pick up the merchandise. Let the people know where they can uh, connect with you on social media. Yeah, you can find all the merchandise at danthedad.bigcartel.com. Uh, I've got hats and shirts and uh, crew neck sweatshirts and mugs and all sorts of Yeah, great stuff. stocking stuffers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tons of stuff for coming up for the holidays. So check that out. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, uh, at thanksdanthedad. Awesome. Danny, thanks so much for the time. Uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime, and best of luck in the near future. All right, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Big thanks to both Kevin McIlvaney, Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and Mr. 500 himself, Dan the Dad. You can pick up the Dan the Dad merch, danthedad.bigcartel.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at thanksdanthedad. So go ahead and send them a follow. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. hope you guys enjoyed this special PWI 500 edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. Thanks to ProWrestling.com for allowing us to put on uh, this nonsense each week. Uh, give our friends over at STF Underground a listen. Dougie Wrestling and the boys over there. They drop every Friday on ProWrestling.com and your favorite podcast platforms. And like I said, thanks everybody for spreading the word and downloading, listening, and subscribing. Don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya. Hey, it's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker because I'm picking up my dough. And when I'm in the booth, like I'm cooking up a O.